you're listening to the Word of Life AG Podcast. We're so glad you're getting caught up on the message. This week was One Day to Feed the World Sunday. Special guest speaker Jeff Anderson came to tell us all about the great work Convoy of Hope is doing to help out around the world. Let's check it out. Thank you. Hey, good morning, Word of Life. Good. Awesome. So I heard there's a few kids in this service today. Where's the kids at? Any kid, you can make noise. You don't have to raise your hand. You can just like, yeah, so make some noise. It's great to be with you guys today. Thank you for the honor of being back to Word of Life. Assembly Pastor Tom and Megan, thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your vision. Thank you for your leadership. And thank you for making this day about others. Can we give it up for your pastors today? We're honored to be one of your strategic partners at Convoy of Hope. So last year was my first time to uh, be at your church, to worship with you, had a great time. Uh, We liked it so much, we just said, hey, let's just do it again. And you are a generous church. You are people that uh, enable the gospel to be heard around the world. So the stories that I tell today are your stories, some of the life change that's happened. It's directly because of your one day to feed the world offering. Check out this video of Convoy's ministry around the world. But looking forward, what does the future look like? Today the world needs revolutionaries, but the kind of revolutionary the world needs is a revolutionary of kindness. The world today needs radical change. People who are willing to give their time and their resources and make sacrifices so that others can have a life of opportunity. Today, Convoy of Hope is known for what we do, but in the future, I hope we're known for what you do. Honored to be with you today. Here's my tribe, where I come from. So I am married to my college sweetheart. Her name is Mary Beth. She's a social worker. She's a minister. She's a servant in Caesar's household. I love her she, uh, dearly. This was uh, back, uh, my dad passed away in September in Northern California. Uh, he was 97 and a half, so since I've been with you, uh, buried our dad. He went to heaven, and this was taken at Baker Beach. So that's my tribe, uh, three daughters, three grandbabies, two son-in-laws, an amazing wife. And then these are the G-babies, and we got a new one since I was here last time. So Wilder, Hadley, and introducing Molly Jewell. So, and, so Molly, Molly didn't come to take charge. She came to take over. She's this tall. She thinks she's the CEO of the family. And uh, we're just not sure where all that came from. But anyway, that's the main reason I do what I do. That is my first church. I want to be a hero in my home before I'm a hero in public. So uh, I work really hard to take care of those people and serve them and earn trust and share life with them. My first church is, is there, and that's my main goal, is to keep serving, leading, and loving those people right now. So, 
At Convoy of Hope since last year, you guys have been a demonstration of God's grace and love in the world. One day to feed the world is simply taking one day of your life and saying, I'm going to take that day and whatever I make that day, I'm going to give that towards the poor and suffering. So people who are the least, the last, and the lost can hear about Jesus and receive some dignity, hot food, clean water, access to those things that many people do not have. So you're a demonstration of God's love followed by a presentation of the good news. So we've been responding to disasters in Arkansas, Illinois, Iowa, Mississippi, Florida, Florida again this week with flooding, Turkey, Syria, uh, Ukraine, um, Russia, and 16 uh, Eastern European countries as the war in Ukraine enters its 14 month, people around the world are still invested in the lives of Ukrainians. I want you to see uh, these slides on Ukraine. Over 8 million Ukrainians have fled to neighboring countries, nearly half the population and nearly 7 million displaced. And so God is working in Ukraine. We're seeing the church mobilized. We're seeing God's love demonstrated in a powerful way. Many residents have received help and hope because Convoy has been there to supplement the supply chain, food, water, supplies, and the churches are points of distribution. So just imagine taking this church and people into Kyiv, uh, Ukraine, and you're planted there, and now your church has now become not just a shelter, but a hotel, a restaurant, and a literal missions base to sustain life and bring help to people in that region. That's what's happened with the beautiful body of Christ in that part of the world. We're seeing radical acts of compassion and hospital. Yeah, that was the greatest spot. And by the way, please interrupt me because I do have adult ADHD, so it's no problem. No problem at all. So if you dislike something that's like, woo, just you start throwing the balls up, I know I'm getting done. All right. So here's what's cool, you guys. So the war in Ukraine, and I'm not really not, I'm going to give you some things that are going to create some tension and maybe stress you out a little bit, but you are part of the solution. And let me just tell you this. In Ukraine, so we're entering our uh, 15th month of, of operations there and serving, of course, the war uh, seems without end. We, we pray it does come to a swift end. But what we're dealing with there is Ukraine is one of the most evangelized Eastern European countries. The first week of the war, Ukrainians were evacuating to all points, all border, country, border nations that border Ukraine. And the Polish were waiting on the border for these Ukrainians to come. And they came by the thousands and the tens of thousands. So the Polish were waiting in their carts, buggies, buses and cars and mopeds and whatever on the border. And it was, they would see people come. They took them into their homes. They fed them their food. They put them in their churches and their community centers. And so the Polish opened up their hearts and homes, and the Ukrainians brought the gospel of Jesus to the least evangelized country in Eastern Europe, which is Poland. So... This is how God works. Remember the story of Joseph in Genesis where he declared what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. And we serve a good God. And we serve a God that can take a very terrible situation, a sinful life, a broken country, and a war, 
a country that needs not just a hand out, but a hand up and training. God can take all of those circumstances and turn it into something beautiful. I am a living proof here today that I can go through junior high and high school and just live like a pagan. And the little church across the street from my high school used to come to the park every week at lunch and witness to all the stoners. And I'm just like, these people are nuts, man. These people, but they love Jesus and they're not ashamed of the gospel. And some dude named Darren and his buddy Troy, they witnessed to me in my senior year in high school. And I thought they were, not, I thought they were just out of their minds. And I'm just like, wow, man. And then six weeks later, I am a born-again Christian, and I'm hunting those guys down. And here's, here's how this goes. I'm hunting these guys down, and they're avoiding me in the hallway at our junior college because that's where I start, decided to go to school before Bethany and seminary. And so uh, they were avoiding me, and I had to track them down in the hall. I had to get right up in their face. I'm like, hey, dudes. They're like, hey, Anderson, what's up? And I'm like, I just want you to know I'm a Christian. They're like, what? We can't believe there is a God, you know? So um, anyway, Jesus makes all of that happen through people. I will tell you it is still good news. So if you are here today and you've served Jesus for a long time, let the wind of the Spirit, put, let him put some wind in your sails. If you're here today and you're not a Christian and you're just like, mm, I just, I'm not so sure about this, open up your heart, Listen. You might, you might be surprised how God's going to work. And maybe you're here today and you say, I'm a brand new Christian. I Maybe you got saved last, East or last week or whenever it was. But you're ready to make some fresh commitments to the Lord. I want you to check this out. The difference one day makes around the world. Jesus. We know his name. But do we know Him? Do we love Him? Are we following His commands? Are we serving those in need? Are we caring for the least of these? One day to feed the world is an opportunity for us to be the hands and feet of Jesus to those who need him. For us, it's one day, but for them, it's now and eternity. Our driving passion is to feed the world, but not just to feed physical food, but to bring the bread of life, to bring Jesus, the eternal hope, to those around the world. And so we believe it is an injustice to die because you don't have something good to eat or some clean water to drink, but it's a double injustice to die without hearing about Jesus. And so we're here today to talk about the f meeting physical needs, but also opening the door that captivates the hearts and minds of communities, nations, and countries, because the gospel of Jesus Christ works everywhere it goes. So thank God for that. Thank God if you're, um, many of us uh, didn't 
came from other places in the world, and my dad and his family came over on a boat from, from Eastern, uh, Western Europe, from Sweden, on the Gripsholm, and immigrated to Ellis Island, and they all landed in Moline, Illinois, to work at Rock Island Arsenal, and uh, the rest is history for our family. But I will tell you this today, where you live should not determine if you live. And that's what we're facing around the world today, is there are places that are so hostile to just day-to-day operations and living for people that, you know, when your stomach aches, your head pounds, your mind is in chaos, you need something good to eat. Um, You need something good to drink. And so Mark Buntain said this years ago, an empty stomach has no ears. In other words, we're trying to preach the gospel, and we're wondering why people aren't responding in certain places. It's because they're starving. And so when we bring dignity, help, and hope to those around us, they are able to have that advantage and have the opportunity that you and I would have. I was in El Salvador recently, and a mom came up to me, and she said, thank you for feeding our kids And I said, we're honored to do that. Don't thank me. Thank the church in America that does one day to feed the world. And she said, then you thank them for me. And so on behalf of Angelica and thousands and thousands of mom like her who have kids in our feeding program, thank you. She said this. She said, thank you for feeding our kids. We don't want you to feed our grandbabies. We want to learn how to grow, how to consume proper, how to uh, have more and better food, and to bring food security back to our city, back to our nation. Timothy Keller said, if you have money, power, and status today, it's largely due to two things. A, uh, one, the century and place in which you were born, and two, your talents, capacities, and health, none of which you earned. In short, All of your resources are, in the end, the gift of God. So today, what are we going to do? Pastor Tom and Megan, I forgot how much your church loves to clap. I absolutely love that. You guys are like, I just... Okay. (laughs) It's going to be the same guy that throws the beach ball. I know it is. He's like, he's over there. I just can't wait. But seriously... That, that quote, I was thinking, God, look, look at these agriculture pictures. Farmers growing more and better food. Look at these beautiful kids that we're serving in our children's feeding pro- initiative. And you can see uh, not just the hope in their eyes, but they get up every day with purpose. They get up every day with the passion to grow more and better food. And that's Angelica's daughter, by the way. Um, and that little girl, if you back up one slide, you guys are awesome back there. Thank you for dealing with my craziness. So this little girl, we were in this village in Nicaragua, and we hosted an outreach. About 800 kids go to this school. 2,000 people came. Um, they had food, campfires everywhere, cooking food. Well, we built this school, a kitchen, that was smokeless apparatus to cook food. Here's the deal. Moms at this school are bringing their babies to school, but every mom that was ordered to cook that day for the school, they have wheelbarrows with stockpots full of food. And so it's very typical in this community in Nicaragua where you see a mom walking down the street with a wheelbarrow with a stockpot full of food and three or four kids in tow. And there's a parking lot for the wheelbarrows. 
So when the moms get there, these two guys come out, grab the stockpots, and they keep these pots around a campfire full of charcoal and smoky wood. Well, guess what? Now they can cook over a smoke, an apparatus where they can cook indoors over four burners, and it's all natural gas, and they're not inhaling all those toxic fumes, and they're delighted. In fact, I've never seen a mom so happy in a 12 by 12 kitchen with their hands raised, tears streaming down their face, and I'm like, it's just a, it's just a concrete room. And they said, no, to us, this is an answer to prayer. Because we can come here and cook and prepare the food and serve our babies, serve our kids. So you're making a difference. One day does that. Here's some of the beautiful girls and women in our program. I am a girl dad. I'm a girl papa now, evidently. The only way I get boys in the family is my daughter's marry one. So that's awesome. But I will just say uh, that moms and girls' lives are changed because of one day. You might have a mom that gets, starts a chicken farm or a few goats that make a difference as they're raising uh, these goats and doing commerce, learning how to make things and to put money in their pocket, food on their table, hope in their hearts. Many of these moms, it brings strength, dignity, and hope to so many of these women. I had a mom in Nicaragua tell me, she said, uh, Convoy of Hope taught me a new word. And I said, what's that word? And she said, tomorrow. I said, I beg your pardon? She said, yeah, tomorrow. She said, we have hope for tomorrow. And we didn't think like that. We didn't think past here for every day because we had to hustle every day to eat every day, to keep moving in the right direction, to keep everybody alive, to keep everybody safe. And she said, I've not used that word ever in my life, the word tomorrow. So that's the difference one day makes in the lives of so many people. Here's some of the stats that we celebrate. There's a lot of numbers on this. Don't freak out. I'm just going to show you real quick. So we're serving half a million kids in 37 program countries every school day, the only hot meal they'll receive. 99,000 women and girls have graduated through our program, 80,000 farmers and growers, crazy. Uh, that's a lot of food being grown. One day we hope some of these countries go, hey, we no longer need the shipment of food. We're growing our own. And they're providing food for their families and, and their country. We've responded to 627 disasters as of this week and 37 program countries and over 1,600 communities and events that we've done in our history. And so we're grateful. Here's the best number. Not the 200 million or the 2 billion. Those are big, crazy numbers. The best number is over 400,000 people have made first-time commitments to Jesus. That's the best number. All right. So, Mark 14, uh, if you have your Bibles, if you have your phones, just turn them on. I'm just going to re reference this verse real quick. So go back and read this today. Sometime you're going to get a lot out of it. Hopefully you're just going to get some high points here. Because this is a famous story about a lady who had a very expensive bottle of perfume. It was worth almost a year's wage. And Jesus and his disciples are hanging out. They just eaten. This lady walks in, and what we're going to pick up in this verse, in Mark 14, verse 1, it says, It was two days before the Passover. 
and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the chief priests and scribes were seeking how to arrest and stealth, stealth and kill Jesus. They were trying to arrest him privately and then do away with Jesus. So the plot was on to get rid of Jesus. Um, and they said, yeah, we shouldn't do this during the feast lest there be an uproar and people notice. And so while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, the guy that he had healed of leprosy, he was reclining at a table. So Jesus is literally chilling out. A woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment. That's an expensive jar of perfume. Very costly. She broke the flask and poured it over Jesus' head. So I want you to get this picture. Everybody's chilling out. Here comes this lady. She is focused. She is like, you know how you just get focused on something? Like, bring on the distractions, you're still focused. She brings in, she busts this thing open, she pours it on his head. Well, verse 4 says, there were people who said to themselves, why did she waste that expensive perfume pouring it on Jesus' head? What's up? They didn't say what's up, but I'm sure it's in the Greek somewhere. Verse 5, for this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. That's one year's wage. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Don't bother her. She's done a beautiful thing to me. So don't you love when Jesus speaks and like just checks everybody off? Because, see, they didn't understand what was happening in that room. This woman was giving her best. She was giving her all. She was so in love with Jesus that she decided, no matter what, this is all I've got. It's the most expensive thing I have next to the breath in my lungs, and I'm giving it to Jesus. No one else gets that kind of love. People will not understand you as you serve Jesus, as you go through life living according to God's word and by his principles. The world will mock you. The world will make fun of you. They'll think, hey, you're weak. And it's like, listen, um, whatever they say, it doesn't change the fact that there is a God and one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Lord. Amen? So you might as well start now versus when you're forced to to acknowledge the creator and the designer behind this design. And that's what I'm grateful for today. I'm grateful somebody told me about Jesus, somebody told her about Jesus, and then she rolls in, and this is what Jesus says. You're always going to have the poor, and whenever you want, you can do good for them, which is what you're going to do today. But you will not always have me, Jesus said. She's done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. So now Jesus is just, he's going at it. He's going for the heart of this situation. And then he said this, verse 9, Truly I say, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. So Jesus just made this woman famous, but this woman was trying to make Jesus famous. And say, Jesus, I love you. I'm giving my best. So Here's the backdrop. It's the last week of Christ's life on earth. It occurred before Passover. Jesus is attending this feast, a small town east of Jerusalem. This woman comes in, anoints Jesus with costly perfume, wipes his feet with her hair. Some who watched her, of course, were critical. Jesus quickly defends her. And the story provides a stark contrast between two attitudes of giving. And that's where I'm going to go with this. So... First attitude, I'm going to give all I can give. I'm going to give all I can give. Do you know people like this? 
Do you know people who just like, you, they're just, they're givers. They always find a way to, to serve and fill. I'm from Northern California, and Henry J. Kaiser had a concrete company, Kaiser Permanente Hospital, whatever. Well, it started as a concrete truck, and the, the motto on the side of their dump, their, or their uh, cement trucks was uh, find a need and fill it. And as a kid, I would stand on the side of the road on my little uh, Schwinn bicycle with a banana seat, and I would just watch these trucks go by as they were building the neighborhood we were living in. Find a need and fill it. Those are, that's this kind of people. I'm going to give all I can give. This gift cost her something. Her attitude was, I'm going to give all I can. I'm going to give the best, not I'm going to give the bare minimum. Or, hey, I'm going to give only what's expected or required of me. This was God's attitude. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. God gave the best he had, amen? So why should we, his followers, be any different? We shouldn't be. Do you know people like Mary, generous givers, they give you the shirt off their back, those people? What motivates people to give all they can? Well, they love Jesus. They love people. They like helping others. They're selfless. I remember when I was a youth pastor, we were dual income, no kids. My wife and I, youth pastoring in Denver. And we had just bought a little house. And uh, the week we moved in, we got robbed. We were, all, we were literally at a Wednesday night church service doing youth group. And I come home, and the back window had been busted out, and they took stuff of mine. They didn't take my wife's stuff. It's just like really, I had to get over that. And um, the cops came, guns drawn, found out, you know, we got robbed. And so I went to the men's prayer breakfast on Friday of that week. Uh, and they, they serve burnt pancakes, and it's a lot of older guys that really love Jesus. And I was like 30 at the time, so I, I dropped the age by about 30 years in the, in the Bible study. And they said, Anderson, welcome to Colorado. How's it going? I said, well, that's going okay. You know, I got robbed Wednesday night, but it's all good. And they said, oh, where do you live? And they said, oh, that's a new development. Yeah. Do you have a fence? And I said, no, I don't have a fence. And, they, and the guys are like, you need a fence and you need a dog. So Saturday morning at 8 o'clock, pickup trucks and trailers start showing up at my house. It's just my wife and I, I'm like looking out the window going, Mary, there's some crazy people here pulling up, and it looks like men from the church. And they have wood, and they've got big augers, and there's like 20 of them. She's like, honey, you should probably find out what they're doing. So I get dressed and go out, and I'm like, what's going on? And they said, well, we're here to build you a fence. And all day they built a fence for the youth pastor I fed more donuts, pizza, and two-liter bottles of Pepsi than I've ever purchased in my life. And I fed these dudes, and at the end of the day, they give me a hug, and they say, welcome to Colorado, Anderson, and they got in their trucks, and these men drove off, and, they, and I've never forgotten that good deed. They're good men, but... I will tell you, I love this church in Denver, Colorado. I'm going to speak there in two weeks. I can't wait to go back there because some of those dudes are like 95, okay? Maybe 100. But here's the point. God's attitude toward us is to be generous. So we should give all we can give. We want to be like this woman in the story. We're going to be blown away when we finally realize the connection between our prayers and giving too. I'm going to keep all I can keep. Okay, this is the way not 
to be. All right? So this was the attitude of the onlookers in the room. Mark doesn't identify by name who felt this way, but if you go back to John chapter 12, John identifies the individual who had a problem with the woman's act as none other than Judas. So their attitude was motivated by their own personal agenda and greed. Do you know people like this? Do you know people who are just a little too tight? all the time, or uptight. And that person is probably uptight or tight because they have not experienced the generosity of Jesus. We're afraid to give because we're afraid God won't give us any more. And that's not true of the God that we serve. In fact, I, I dare you, I challenge you, dare you, uh, if you don't regularly give, and this is not a paid commercial, trust me, you, that's the first area of testing that I came in as a believer. I went to this little assembly of God church. They preached the Bible. They welcomed the Spirit. They always had missionaries. And I always went to the altar to get saved every Sunday. Like I wanted to make sure I was saved, right? And healed and filled and called and all that stuff. And so I was just always at the altar. I spent a lot of time at the altar as a kid, as a teenager. And I'll never forget this moment. I said, God, if I have to give you 10% of my income, is that all? I get to keep 90%. That's the way I negotiated. And since that moment, God has always been faithful. We sang about it, Luke and the team. The quickest way to spiritual and financial disaster is to keep everything for yourself and, and give less of yourself and hold back when, ask, when God asks you to give. And so let me just say, when God raises your standard of living, he also raises your standard of giving every time. So we're blessed. We're blessed, and because it's a blessing to be a blessing, we can serve other people through our prayers, through our partnership, and through the gifts that you give today. The Bible also says, to whom much is given, much is required. And to whom much more is given, much more is required. So you can give all you can give. You can keep all you can keep. But let me just close up with a story here. So there was a guy who was a builder and uh, he was an excellent carpenter who worked for a very successful building contractor. And one day the owner said, hey, uh, Jim, I'm going to put you in charge of the next house we build. I want you to order all the materials, oversee the job from the ground up. Jim accepts the assignment with great enthusiasm. He studies the prints and checks every measurement and every spec. And he thought, hey, if I'm in charge, why couldn't I cut a few corners, use less expensive material, put the extra money in my pocket? Who's going to know? So that's what, that's what he did. Once the house is finished, it's going to look great. Nobody will know. So he carries out his scheme. He orders second-grade lumber, but his report indicated top-grade lumber. He cut every corner he could in the house's infrastructure, concrete, electric, plumbing, drywall, etc. Yet he reports the purchase of much better materials and indicates he had done certain work in which, he, in fact, he hadn't. So he's lying. When the home was completed, he showed it with pride to his boss, who enthusiastically replied, Jim... What a great job you've done. You've been a great and faithful employee for many, many years. You've earned me a lot of money for my company. And as a thank you for your years of service, Jim, I am giving you the house that you just built. It's all yours. Because you have to live in the house that you built. Is it a house of generosity? 
where you can give all you can give? Or is it a house where it's like, I don't know about this Jesus guy and money. Doesn't it come down to that? Like what we do with our money really is the statement on our life. Wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So you guys, I don't have this mastered or perfected, by the way, sometimes. When God gives my wife a number and he gives me a way lower number, and then I'm like, really, God told you to give that much, honey? Really? And then we have a little argument, and then, you know, the Holy Spirit usually wins. And the voice of the Holy Spirit sounds really faintly like my wife's. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> I've never regretted being generous. That's what I'm trying to say. But naturally, I want to be a tightwad. I just want to like, I don't know. And, and God's saying, haven't I proven my faithfulness to you? Enough? Trust me. So, and we're just talking about one, one day offering, but I'm really talking about a lifestyle. It doesn't pay to cut corners and be greedy. you got to live in the house you built, so what kind of house are you building? Is it defined by littleness, or is it defined by selfishness, or is it designed by generosity? And are you known to be somebody that is like, man, that person's so generous. And here's the cool part. Here's the third and final big idea. You get to keep all you give if you're a Christian. You never give something away. You always invest it. So when you give an offering today and you're a believer, listen to this promise. Matthew 6.20. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroyed, and where thieves do not break in and steal. So that's our promise today, that when you give all you can give, it is being translated into the kingdom of God. But you can't experience that if you keep all you can keep. You're kind of sitting back going, you're kind of afraid of God to bless you, because then if he blesses you, you're going to have to be generous. And, that, and God will work with us on that. We can't take our money with us. I've done a lot of funerals as a pastor. Baby dedications are my favorite. I love weddings, and, but I really love funerals for this reason. You might say, well, that's kind of morbid, Jeff. Especially for a Christian because they're in heaven and we're the ones suffering loss, right? I buried my dad September 24th last year. He passed September 7th. Waited for family to get up to the West Coast. And uh, a week before my dad died, he turned over in his hospital bed and he goes, well, all the cornerstones of my life are set, Jeff. Whatever happens from now on, it's on you. And he turned over and fell back to sleep. And I'm like, oh, no. You'd... So I got up and I got to the other side of the bed and I shook him awake because I thought, he's not dying right now. I'm not going to let him die. And I shook him awake, and he's like, what? I said, hey, Dad, do you remember what you just said? And he goes, not really. I'm like, yeah, you do. You know exactly what you said. And he said, yeah, he said, because I'm going to go see Jesus soon. And he said, I want the rest of my family to meet me there. And he said, and he said generosity is the way, and my dad was one of the most generous men I've known. He was so generous. He helped people. He really lived out the gospel. Was he perfect? No. He was a bullheaded Swede who got tampered with by the Holy Spirit. Thank God. 
You can't take your money with you. God promises to bless those who give joyfully and generously. And today you're preparing to receive a generous offering. So I've got to wrap up because we're, we're out of time. Let me just say this. Your dollars will be multiplied five times. And today I believe what you give in this offering will be yours forever because you're investing in God's kingdom. And you really do get to keep what you give as you invest it into the eternal. So... If you want kingdom impact, ladies and gentlemen, we give so that others can simply live just like the woman. Give all we can give, keep all we can keep, but you get to keep all you give today. So check out this story, and I'm closing with this, about the impact of one day in a fishing community in the Philippines. Check it out. The people here, they are uh, culturally they go to the sea and they catch a fish. When they go home, they will eat it all. When they are done, they seem to be satisfied with that. They don't really have anything to save for the future. They don't think that way or know how. Oh, the, the ocean is overfished. They can go fishing every day, overnight, without getting any. So they couldn't feed their children. If the child is not eating healthy, he cannot think properly. There are kids, especially those big kids that don't go to school because their stomach is cramping. I want them to finish their studies. That's the only way I see to raise the standard of living here. Pag yung mga bata, kulang sa ganong nutrition, parang hindi sila makasabay, nagiging mahina rin pati yung utak nila. Pastor Cesar is the one that God used for us to know the Convoy of Hope. We learned that they have a program that feeds malnourished children. Yung, yung naging partnership ng ano, Convoy at saka sa aming community, talagang malaking ano yun, sa amin dito. Since the children's feed started, I don't see the children act weakly anymore. It seems like they are now full of energy. <laughs> they're, they're very agile. <laughs> Now there is no reason for them not to go to school and we really see it nothing keeps them from their studies Pansin ko po na medyo dati po, hindi po ako palabasay ngayon na lang po yung nagdating na yung anapak. Personally, as a pastor, I am more pushed to continue what I'm doing because you are here. Before, if we talked about God, the people did not listen. But now, because people have food, they will listen and learn. So this is also the opportunity to share the gospel with them. We are, we are teaching them how to pray. We're teaching them how to, to honor God. We're teaching them how to study hard. That even before eating, this food came from God. It's not just about the food. Our mission and our goal is to bring people closer to God. I have many dreams, but my biggest dreams are that all the children would graduate and that they would know the Lord.
Siguro po, yung pagpapasalamat lang kasi nandito kayo, isipin niyo po, ang layo-layo ninyo para maabot dito sa amin. Pero grateful pa. Kasi nga, andyan So today, uh, before pastors, uh, Tom and Megan are coming back in a moment, I just wanted to say thank you to those of you who get up and every day make Jesus famous. You work faithfully, you work hard, you provide for the people that you love. But today you have also received a challenge to take one of those days or more and to make a difference, you can go ahead if you want to, and go and just uh, say, I'm going to make a difference in the lives of some people who I may never meet in places that I'll never go. And I want to thank you for that, because you don't have to do this, but you get to. Um, my wife and I, do. we do one day every year. So I work for Convoy of Hope, and so I put the sticker on, and I go to work at Convoy to do my one day. And then my wife goes to the public school that she works at. She puts her sticker on, and it creates buzz. And every year we pick the same week, her and I, because I don't feel like I can ask you to do something that I am unwilling to do or have never done. And I've done it every year that I've been at Convoy on the team. And I will just say, I've never missed that offering. You invested, and, and, and God does some great things through Convoy. I just want to wrap up and say, many mission organizations have become agencies of social reform, but at the exclusion of proclaiming the gospel. And I felt this was important to say to this audience today. At Convoy, keeping Jesus at the center of our work is a top priority because we're integrating compassion ministries along with sharing the gospel and empowering the local church. And that's something that we just won't compromise on. Why? You can feed someone and fill their belly and they still have an empty soul. But we're feeding people to get full bellies, but also introducing them to Jesus so that they experience eternal life. And so, um, I want to say thank you for that. Thank you for the response. Pastor's coming now to navigate you. God bless you guys. Thank you for being great listeners today. Have fun.